Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Human Nutrition and Lifestyle Podcast. I've got an exciting guest for you today. I've got Mr. Keto Kev, real name Kevin Mason. I don't know if he wants everybody to know that, but <laughs> he's also known as the Primal Bear. So, Kev, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, where you're from and, and what brings you here today. Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, thanks very much for having me on. And, uh, you know, I've been following you for a little bit, actually, and seen your podcast. Uh, so, you know, thanks very much. Um, yeah, so my name is Kevin Mason and I'm originally from the UK, but at the moment I'm in Germany. Um, I'm an ex-soldier and I'm an ex-fat person. So my journey started when I was in the army. I spent 13 years in the British army and eating all of those good foods that we used to fill ourselves with in the army and drink all the stuff that I used to drink as well, all the beer and the everything else every day, every night, every weekend. And I got to a grand total of 129 kilos, or at least that's when I stopped weighing myself. So I think I was about 21 stone, 21 and a half stone, I think I was told. Um, when I left the army, I was still pretty overweight, like in that 121, 129, 131 mark. And I left the army and actually it was my wife and uh, kind of got me into this different way of eating. And she heard of a guy across the pond uh, that was doing paleo and I was like okay tell me a little bit more and she said yeah paleo is like you know you're not allowed to eat this and I think that I said well wait, wait a minute so I can't eat pasta or pizza and she said no and I was like yeah, I'm not interested <laughs> so she kind of like done it herself for 30 days and she said oh wow, that's really makes a difference and then I a few months later I was very reluctant and I kind of gave it a try and things started to happen like joint pain that I had that was you know through my knees and my back through what I was what I thought was just caused by you know me being in the army um, started to go and I had rashes on the inside of my leg which I used to thought was just because you know my legs would rub together because I was overweight um, and it was really uncomfortable so much that I would scratch in the middle of the night and it would bleed um, and because I was sweating so much because I was overweight, it just really hurt. Um, and all of these things started to clear up. And yeah, then I was like, well, paleo, there must be something about this. So I, um, you know, I kind of weighed myself and I'd lost like 10 kilos in a few months and I didn't even put any effort into it. It was just because I ditched the grains, the bad oils. I was even sometimes eating a little bit of sugar. So it wasn't like totally paleo. I was still in having an ice cream or I, I would even have like gluten-free pasta or something or gluten-free breads because I wasn't fully off of it at the beginning. Um, and yeah, and then, you know, I, I started hearing about keto and I was like, okay, that sounds interesting, like bacon and burgers and cheese and kind of like a little bit of this and some asparagus. I was like, okay, so looked into it. And uh, I think about four, three or four years ago, I started research, oh, about four years ago, I started researching it. And I researched it a little bit before I took the plunge. And then, you know, once you go keto, that's it. You fall down this rabbit hole of nutrition and you find out everything and it really sucks you in and, and you learn so much. And then I've done my coaching course um, and helped start to help others. And now I'm kind of carnivore direction um, and training heavyweights most days. And yeah, that's kind of the, the rounded story, really. Well, it's, it's very interesting to know that you kind of put on your weight in the army. So people yeah. often think, you know, in the army, you should be fit and, and healthy. What, what was it that you was doing in the army that made you put on all the weight? <laughs> Nothing. That was the problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, um, I was in the army for about two years in the UK and I threw a drunken um, night as it always was um, I jumped through a window and I ripped my arms to pieces. I've got massive scars on my wrist and my elbows. Um, and it kind of prevented me to, from doing sport because I was injured so badly that I couldn't do press-ups um, and pull-ups because I couldn't put pressure on my wrist. And then it just, it became more of a thing that I got away with it for the next couple of years that I got away with it so much that I became lazy and I was like, well, I don't need to do this kind of sport because I'm still doing the same job that I would, that a fit person did, but 
I didn't have to get up at six in the morning, go for runs with everyone else because I would trundle into work at eight, you know, proper lazy. And it, it, it didn't matter because I was still getting promoted. I was still getting the same money as everybody else. So I just became totally lazy and just through alcohol abuse as well. Um, you know, I, I was just ton, tons of weight and then eating all the junk food that they promote because, you know, like the, the NAFI, which is the, sh the small shop on the camp, you know, it doesn't provide you with anything nutritious. It's all pot noodles and Ginster's pies. And you just, you know, because I wasn't exercising and then I was getting more injured because of my weight pressure on my back, on my back joints, on my knees. And then I would go to the doctor and I'd be like, oh, my back hurts so much. And, and they'd be like, one year review, yeah, one year, no sport. And I was like, yeah, cool, easy. <laughs> so they don't so, promote anything nutritionally wise than in the army. Once you're in the army, you kind of expect things to get a bit more regimented. Maybe there's, there might be scientists or something in the background saying, look, you need to sort your nutrition out. But there's none of that you're telling us. It, I wouldn't say there's none of it. It was more like they are misguided. So because they are obviously a government organization, they're misguided about what real nutrition is and it's all processed food. And, you know, it's, it's all like, I mean, the chefs, I understand the, the chefs, the cooks, they have to um, feed the masses, so to speak. So it's not their personal fault. It's, it's up the chain of command, so to speak but they're very misinformed about what real nutrition is. Um, and alcohol has been promoted uh, amongst soldiers um, back from, you know, like the seventies. I know it's a bit ridiculous, but if you watch Soldier Soldier, which yes, was, a, was just a TV program, but you would see that they were in the pub and that was what they did. And that was what we did as well. And it was even all the way up the rank system to the colonel of some regiments would be on parade on Friday for sports and say, see you all in the bar tonight. So he would promote it, you know, and that's what they did. They, they promoted this kind of drinking mentality and um, some people would be able to handle the drink and stay fit at the same time. And others would fall down the wormhole of um, obesity. And then the more, um, the more obese you would get or the more overweight, they would try and put you on remedial sports, but there was no like diet plan. Even if it was a calorie restricted diet, it was just a case of um, you can go and do remedial sports in the morning. But like I said, many of us would turn around and say to the doctor, I've got back injury, I can't do that. And that's you like, you know, with your golden bubble around you, they can't touch you then. So they can't kick you out of the army for having an injury. So we just sat back and a lot of us became lazy and overweight. Yeah, I mean, that's so unfortunate. I guess it's, it's become like a lifestyle thing in the army. It's like yeah. train hard, work hard, play hard. But then if you can't play hard then, <laughs> or work hard, then you can't play hard, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And it's so unfortunate as well that they continue to follow the government guidelines. I mean, I've spoken to people uh, about the, all these government guidelines are in hospitals and schools and nurseries. Same thing with the army. The army still follows the same government guidelines. So... Um, maybe we have to do something further up the chain to change all this. But going into well, tried. Your, yeah, going into your own. <laughs> oh, um, I have. So just uh, yeah, I, I have actually tried. I've contacted the um, head of nutrition for the Tri Services, which is the Army, the Navy, and the Air Force. Um, I got her email address because a friend of mine is actually working inside these offices. Um, so I got like a quick response and she emailed me and she said, oh, my colleague has told me about um, what your idea is. Can you tell me a little bit more? And I gave her a big exp explanation of what I would like to do. And within 20 minutes, she emailed me back and she was like, we don't do fad diets. We don't do this. I've heard of keto. I've heard of paleo. And I was like, and she said, we, we can't cater for this. And I, I bided my time and I bit my tongue and I waited a little bit. Um, and I got back to her a little bit later because I'm quite a hothead when it comes to things like that. And I have to, you know, restrain myself. And I got back to her a little bit later. And basically it was a case of, but you are happy to promote a vegan diet, but you're not happy to promote a ketogenic diet. Um, and that's where it kind of stopped. But I do have, I do have kind of inside people that I'm trying to work out and trying to get angles with at the moment that are going to get me an audience with um, some kernels to try and talk to the regiments. So it's like something that I've got on the side, a side hustle 
um, to try and change the way the military looks at its nutrition. Yeah, brilliant. I commend you for that. I mean, that's all we can do is just keep knocking on the door and, and keep showing yeah. people what how it is. You know, following this podcast, following all the information that's out there, there's so many now good case yeah. studies that you can follow and, and people can see. And I know it's hard for people to be receptive for it, but all you've got to do is just try, give it a chance. You know, like you say, they're giving the, they give the vegans a chance, they give all these other kind of diets a chance. Um, so just give this one a chance and, and see what happens and then just keep knocking yeah. on the door. That's all we can do. That's what <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do. But can you, let's go back to your, um, your own story then. I, I like yeah. the way you said that you basically just dipped your toe in. You know, you said, right, okay, yeah, fine. Um, I'm not going to have all these um, pasta, pizza, whatever, but I'm not going to give sugar up completely. You know, I'll still have a, a little bit on the side. And you just t- dipped your toe in and that was enough for you just to see that there was something potentially good about this, there was yeah. a potential difference. So um, was that the thing that drew you in then, then, them initial results that you was getting from just even just touching your toe in? Yeah, I mean, it, it basically started off um, because the, the, the reason why I actually took the plunge and tried it in the first place was, um, and, and again, I'm a very honest person and I don't, you know, no, no BS. I looked in the mirror and I looked down and I, you know, I couldn't see much, if you know what I mean, in the way of my manhood. And I looked at my wife and if anyone has seen my wife, she's absolutely stunning. Blonde hair, blue eyes, everything in the right place, you know, like completely beautiful person. Um, and I was like, how can she be married to a person that looks like this? It was embarrassing. So I went for it and gave it a try. And it was hard, you know, you know, it was like hard to try and I missed a lot of things at the beginning. Uh, um, but yeah, then it was just like the initial, um, I felt so much better. And that, that was enough to convince me. And once the weight started to move, that was enough to convince me that, you know, it, it, it was a lifestyle. Yeah, that's great. And you could say that's the type of person you are, but I will always encourage anybody just to do that, just to do what you did. I mean, the, there is uh, things out there that say, you know, go cold turkey, drop everything straight away, or, you know, do it gradually day by day by day. But I think one of the best ways to do it is just to dip your toe in like you did, just to see if it could potentially make a difference to you, because everybody starts from a different place. And it's not going to make much difference to some people, but to some yeah. people it really, really will be drastic. And that's a great way to do it. And I'm pleased that you got the ball roll, the ball rolling like that and carried on yeah. with it. So once you started to carry on with it and then potentially look into the science then of what actually was happening, then I presume you really did get the ball rolling and really start pushing yeah. and started to see what was going on there. So talk us a bit through that journey. Well, as soon as, I mean, I didn't really, I wasn't really into much of the science about it uh, when I was doing paleo. I was doing like paleo primal. So because I, I, I do like my cheese and I do like dairy and cream and things. Um, but so there wasn't, it wasn't the direction that I was following. It was like just, I was doing it for weight loss then. It was like, I, I feel good. I'm doing this for weight loss. But it was when people started talking about ketosis and that started to get me a little bit excited. I was like, so what is this ketosis? So what do you mean I've got an energy source that I produce myself like a, like an energizer bunny, like constantly being this power that, that, you know, so I was like, that's interesting. So then I started to really like to read a little bit more about what it done. And that's when keto really got me um, like kind of hooked really. And it was all, you know, like the food that you put in your body because I was still eating things like peanuts and beans um, you know, and stuff like, and, and sweet corn as well. Even sometimes I was eating sweet corn and, and the more I got into it, it was like, so what does this, um, even this natural product or this natural food, what does that do to me? What does an over amount of oxalates, you know, like why, what happens when I eat too much spinach or what are oxalates, what are lectins? Um, and then you, you know, I was watching YouTube videos of, people like Dr. Paul Mason and when he's giving his talks and then, you know, it gets you into like the more carnivore thing. I just, you just go into it. And it was like, that was me hooked. Brilliant. I love it. Yeah. It's great stuff. Once you start, like you said uh, early on, once you start looking into the rabbit hole, you just fall in and it just draws yeah. you in and, and pulls you right into it. Um, so yeah. maybe, maybe you could just, um, there's, I, they always, there's always beginners on this podcast, people who, who are just joining in now. So tell us a little bit about what ketosis is and what ketones actually are in your body and how they work. 
Yeah, well, basically what you do is you reduce the amount of carbohydrate intake that you have. And we say it of around an average of 20 grams because that almost guarantees everybody to be in ketosis. I know that everybody is different um, and other people can take more carbohydrates than others, but ketosis is normally just a reduction of carbohydrates. Um, there's a whole premise at the moment that it is a high fat, medium protein and low carb diet. But actually, as long as you have the right amount of fat for your goals, so whether that be weight loss or disease management, then ketosis is just achieved with a reduction of carbohydrates. So you can still have a high amount of protein, a high amount of fat and reduction of carbs. Um, and what it does is it forces your body to look for its natural source of energy, which is ketones which are produced in the liver. So then we produce ketones from the liver and they fuel various parts, you know, like fuel our body, um, fuels the brain 80, I think 70 or 80%, um, but also the brain runs on glucose. So we do need a certain amount of glucose in our, I say in our bodies, because our body can produce our own glucose. So we don't have to even worry about any carbs at all coming from, you know, to produce glucose because that, we can do that ourselves, which is why loads of people go on carnivore diet and don't, basically they don't die, you know, they don't have any brain problems. So that's kind of the basics is, you know, we produce this fuel in our body called keto and our liver called ketones. It keeps us energized and ketones are like, if you've ever seen the film um, Limitless with Bradley Cooper, it's like this little pill that he takes, the NZT is, and that's what I describe as ketones. As soon as you get these ketones inside you and things are bubbling around, that when you're in deep ketosis, you, my mind goes crazy and it's like a drug. It's like, wow, I can do this, I can achieve this, I can produce this document, or I can produce this video um, for, for my clients or whatever I mean, I've got a limited amount an unlimited amount of energy and that's how I believe ketosis is yeah that's great I hear people sometimes say that the brain fog has just been lifted once they start burning ketones rather than a vast yeah. amount of glucose and they say oh you know it just feels like everything's a lot clearer and all that brain fog that I used to have has just been lifted it seems like it's a a better fuel for the body to work with something something that's a less intrusive into all of, all of our cells and it helps us work better that way and yeah go on yeah because also like you're producing this energy source you know that you've got inside your body and it doesn't give you peaks and dips of energy like when you eat carbohydrates so if you eat carbohydrates um normally if anyone eats carbs or if they eat, especially rice or something like that that's really high in carbs and bread then if they eat for lunch then how quick are they tired so it, and, and that's your that's your crash one to two hours after you've eaten it, you have that carb crash and you don't get that with ketosis. You don't get that when you're running on ketones and eating, you know, good amounts of fat, good amounts of protein, because it's, you know, you've got that constant energy level sustained from when you wake up in the morning all the way through until you go to bed, you've got that limitless amount of energy at a, at a level that's continuous. That's right. Yeah. Your body can use ketones a lot more efficiently than it yeah. can use glucose. Glucose is really, really snap, quick burning fuel that your body used, wants to use really, really quickly. So that's why you get the spike. And then it yeah. tends to overcompensate with things like insulin, pushes insulin into your cells. And then it overcompensates right. with that big push. And then you tend to, you, you have a, explained the emo, emotional roller coaster before, your body tends to overcompensate and then you dip down below normal. And a lot of people will uh, have experienced it of the, that sugar high. And then you get a little bit of depression afterwards once, yeah. once your body's used it all up. And, but with ketones, like what you're explaining, it's much more easier to regulate and it just stays on a more level playing field all the time. And, and the more you get used to it and the more you go through it, then even postprandially after you've eaten things like that, it is able to stabilize your glucose, even if you've had yeah. some carbohydrates, you know, over time. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. So let's carry that on then. And you, you managed to set up your own business called Keto Kev. It's, it is yep. what it says on the tin. Brilliant. I love it. It is. <laughs> and so what made you set up, wanted to set up your own business and to, and to help other people? And what, what, what got you through the door and what did you to go for it? Well, I was kind of a cook. I wouldn't say chef because I never professionally trained as a chef, but I was always into cooking um, like having dinner pies and stuff like that. And I was doing some small amounts of private catering, cooking for people in, um, in recording studios and a local um, pub. I used to turn a pub into like a um, 
walk-in kind of pop-up restaurant type thing. Um, and so I was kind of cooking, but then things started to kind of, and also I was self-employed, but things started to go a little bit on the decline because the pub and I, the pub owner and I kind of fell out. Um, so a friend of mine said to me, he, he basically said in his, the words were, I've seen what you've done to your body and I want you to do it to mine. And I was like, okay. So I had to like think of this as pre-coaching as well. So I wasn't a coach at the time, but in the army, I was a teacher. So I used to, so I've got a basic understanding of how to teach adults um, and how to get the, the information the right way over to adults. So I said, okay, so I'll put a bit of a plan together. And um, my wife, who's um, also very, very knowledgeable about keto and carnivore as well. She's like, if people think I have, you know, all of it, it's, most of it comes from what we've watched together or we've done together. So she's very knowledgeable. I'm trying to get her into my business, but she's not having any of it yet. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so we kind of together, we put a plan together, me and my wife, and we started calculating macros and working out because I calculate them slightly different. So um, as the standard percentage of calculators. So I gave my friend these macros and I gave him the training program and we'd done some sports together. Um, and he started to drop the weight. And then I, it kind of all came as a bit of a, um, a bit of a rush, like a, kind of all at once. It was a bit of a surprise. Um, I was in a few keto groups within the UK because even though I live in Germany, I like to, you know, I like talk to people in the UK and stuff. Um, and keto isn't that big in Germany, as big as it kind of is becoming in the UK. So I was in these groups and I was just answering the questions and helping people calculate their macros because, you know, we worked out this formula and people were coming back and, and saying, oh my God, you've got to get Kev's formula. Oh my God, you've got to get him to do your macros. So people were, you know, like emailing me and messaging me and I had to set up a different email address just for these influx of, of macros. Um, and I was doing it and helping people. And then in the end, one of the ladies who ran the group had about 500 people in the group. And she said, look, I've got to be the admin because I set up this group for five people and I can't handle this. It's not my job. And <laughs> um, you have the, the knowledge that, you know, that I've never seen anyone before with. So please help me with the group. So I did. Um, and then I thought, well, I really should be qualified in this if I'm going to tell people what to do a little bit more. So I've done some online courses um, with, I've done like Mark Sisson's course and then I've done um, another course with a different company. Uh, I forget what the name is, but, and so I became a coach and then I started diving in a little bit more to like, you know, the, the diabetes and the nutrition and things like that. It just kind of snowballed from there and that's how the business began. And then people would ask me, do you do any coaching? And I said, I, I don't, but, you know, we can work together. And so I took on a few clients, but I'd done it for free to start with because I didn't know how to coach them on what. And then I put a plan together and then I ended up coaching. So for about 18 months now, I've been coaching people and the group has grown. It's got 15,800 people in it um, now. And it just kind of, went you know kind of ballooned and went massive and now i've got people in the us that i'm working with i've got a few people down in australia i've got some others dotted around the world um and then you know like mostly in the uk so that, that's kind of how the business grew it kind of grew itself and everyone started calling me keto kev get keto kev to do your macros and i was like hey that's quite cool so i changed my company name from uh, what it was to just keto kev and it's easier all oh, right, so it wasn't actually your name that you come up with yourself then. Everybody was just calling you that. No, 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 no. People just started saying it. I was like, Keto Kev, that's got quite a good ring to it. So I just well went for that. Yeah, why not? I mean, there you talk about um, that you do everybody's macros. And just for anybody listening who doesn't know what macros are, we're talking about proteins, fats, carbohydrates, that sort of intake of, of all your different kinds of foods. And, and I know that that's the way that you like to work. I, I particularly don't work with macros, not, not at the start with people because it can get a little bit confusing. I just tend to, especially if they've had a highly processed um, or not real food diet, you know, like a, a eat out junk food type of diet, then I just really trying to get them over to, to real food. So 
Tell us a little bit about what the idea is of getting everybody's macros sorted out first. Well, what I always recommend is I recommend that everyone, um, first of all, just before they even start with keto, what they should do is just learn to eat the real food. So it's just a case of eating meat, um, vegetables, eat any kinds of vegetables apart from potatoes and sweet potatoes are those higher carb ones. So like even parsnips and carrots and beetroot and all those kind of things that we shouldn't really have on keto. Um, so I just get people to eat those foods first and meat, small amounts of dairy, small amounts of nuts. So they get used to the idea of eating these foods rather than, you know, getting off the junk food. And then when they would, they will probably more than likely start to see a shift in weight or a change in whatever they're looking for ketosis to be about. Um, and then once they've got used to these things and they uh, feel a little bit better, you know, then we can move into calculating the macros for their specific reasons um, once they've got their head around it, because it is quite difficult. You know, you're checking every day. Um, it can be quite, uh, you know, like aggravating that you are spending time with your family and then you have to, wait a minute, I have to weigh this and I can't do this. And it does become aggravating, but that's the middle part. So you start off without the macros, then you calculate until you hit your goal. And then once you're at your goal, you normally have this intuitive way of eating anyway. And you normally, as long as you stick with the unprocessed, not junk foods and stick with the whole foods, you can normally stick and eat with, you know, and it comes, becomes more natural basically. Yeah. And so, so you are more along the lines of what I do than what I initially thought. I thought maybe you just jumped in there with the, uh, trying to calculate the macros. And I thought, you know, it's a big jump for people, you know, when they've come yeah. from a processed diet, it's a big jump just to start talking about macros and you should be having this many and that many. And all that. So that is exactly what you say is, is exactly what I do as well is get on that yeah. real food first, you know, chuck all that junk in the bin. Let's get you over to the real food because then naturally you end up being on more of a, a lower carbohydrate diet anyway, straight away just yeah. by chucking all that things in the bin. And then you go on to calculate your macros. I tend to leave yeah. it as long as possible. What I like to do is, is get people to feel it out a little bit first because people might say, okay, I've come for weight loss or I've come for um, more of an athletic background. You know, I want to be better with a better performance and things like that. So I tend to let them feel it out a little bit and see where they fall. Because like you say, naturally, once you start chucking all that junk in the bin, once you start getting rid of all that processed food, you start to find a more natural way of eating. And then if the goal's not being reached, if there's uh, stumbling blocks, then we approach the macros and start saying, okay, let's have a look at what you're consuming and how we can tweak yeah. it and things like that. And it's, it's a great way to do it, really a mild way to do it. Um, but if we're talking then to people about getting different foods in, in their diet, we're talking about real foods. But like you just mentioned about there is some particular vegetables that grow in the ground, more starchy type of vegetables, harder to get nutrients, vitamins and minerals and things from those so what would you say are the best things that you could potentially introduce into your diet that are going to give you the best bang for your buck the more vitamins and minerals the better things you could uh based on i think the number one thing that people need to be eating is they need to be eating an animal-based diet so they need to get animal foods into their diet no matter how it is as much meat eggs fish you know, uh, as possible. There's no, um, there's no comparison to the vitamins and the minerals. They're not as, you know, com compared to animal foods, plants don't have the bioavailability that the animal foods does. They're not as nutrient dense. I know everyone goes on about kale being one of the superfoods, but they, people seem to forget that liver is the only superfood on this planet, in my opinion, like the number one. And I'm not a big fan of liver. So I don't eat it all the time. I do have some liver um, tablets that I take, you know, like some supplements every now and then. Um, but like liver, kidney and heart, they're the best things that you can be eating. They're the, uh, they are the most nutrient dense things on the planet. And then you can look into like the muscle meat, the eggs, the salmon, the fish, all these kind of, you know, these are what we should be eating. These are our ancestral diets. Um, these are where we came from. We are hunters and gatherers we're not just hunter uh, sorry we're not just gatherers and um, we need to hunt the food and on the way whilst we're hunting we can pick at a few berries we can have a few you know kind of other things along along those lines once you've if weight loss is your goal with ketosis and you hit your weight loss goal then there's nothing wrong with having a few of the other things 
along the way, you know, like you're picking up your roots or something like that, because we would have done that. Um, but if you don't have animal products in your diet, then you're going to be nutrient deficient. There's, there's no, I mean, that's scientifically proven, unfortunately. Yeah, that's unfortunately great. For the, you know, unfortunately for the people that don't want to eat it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not so great, but yeah. Sorry, guys. But yeah, that's, that's uh, great the way you put it, because uh, like you say, it comes from our ancestral past. That's how we've evolved to be. We are, we are omnivores at the bottom. Yeah. Oh, we are omnivores. We should be able to thrive on a meat and vegetable diet, not either or. Uh, I do believe a carnivore diet, a strict meat diet, a strict animal produce diet is brilliant to reset everything because yeah. it's got the, the least, it's not going to give you any problems. It's least inflammatory. It's got no lectins, oxalates, anything like that, that plants can potentially give you. I mean, I've, I've spoken on my podcast about uh, the defenses of plants, because if you think about it, we've said that animals can run away plants can yeah exactly so yeah. plants have got to have some sort of defense and what they have are chemicals within them to stop you being able to absorb their vitamins and minerals to stop you being able to 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 do that but animals have nothing so that's a, a pure clean way of eating with nothing that's going to get yeah. any, any problems in there so tell us a little bit about um I, I just spoke about the oxalates and lectins but the bioavailability is something that people miss a lot and bioavailability in meat is, is far superior, as you say, to yeah. bioavailability in plants. And why is this? Is it, is it due to, to our makeup or is it due to the fact, is it due to all these antioxidants, anti-nutrients, or is it due to the fact of we are animals, they are animals, it's so much easier for us? It's, it's a little bit of a thing. It is the antioxidants, the anti-nutrients and things like that that stop the blockage, but it's also a lot of it comes from the fibre as well. And people tend to forget. They, they say, oh, let's have a really far, high fibrous diet because it makes us go to the toilet more regular. But in my opinion, the least time you spend on the toilet, the better, because I, why do I want to go to the toilet for three, three times a day when I could be doing something far more productive? So a lot of it is wrapped up in the fibre and it, it loses, it, it goes out of us. So it doesn't even have a chance to actually get absorbed by our intestines, by our digestive system. So yeah, it's the anti-nutrients. It's, it's just like the whole package. Um, and the body can, the body can um, absorb the, um, the animal products a lot better than they can um, the, the, the plant products. And people seem to think, you know, like there's this whole thing about the pea protein at the moment and our pea protein is full of you know, really good for you, but you have to think about the amount of fiber that that contains as well. It's highly processed as well. It's like really highly processed. And so compared to an animal, compared to organ meats or something, you know, it's there, you know, we've got an, uh, a really high stomach acidity. Our stomach acidity is actually higher than a lion's and a lion is a fully carnivorous diet. So, you know, we are kind of, yeah, like you said, we are omnivores, but I, I also think we're kind of more scavengers. So we would, you know, we would hunt a beast, you know, kill it. And then if we're going to scavenge like dogs along the way, we're going to pick up pieces. Um, so our bodies just simply aren't designed to take on a lot of fibrous plant food, you know, like other animals are. So it, it can't break it down as well. And that's why, you know, that's why I disagree with a high fiber diet as well. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I love the way you say about a lion there, because if you was to dissect a lion, dissect us, you would see that our digestive systems are quite similar to a lion. We yeah. have a little bit of a, uh, we have a smaller intestine, which is a lot longer to help us with our omnivorous way that we've gone. But yeah. other things like the cecum and the stomach are a lot more like a lion than they are, say, a gorilla, something like that. And Correct. people often yeah. match us up to gorillas, but inside of our, ourselves, we are a much more carnivorous digestive system than anything that these gorillas or even um, something like a cow or, you know, totally different animal has, which people, sometimes these vegetarians that try and match us up, nothing alike. We are more alike a lion. Yeah, yeah. I'm pleased you said that. And fiber, if you think about fiber, like what you said, it just encapsulates and gets everything inside it and then gets rid of it. You know, so if yeah. you've got all, even if you're eating a high carnivorous diet and then you have a lot of fiber with your carnivorous diet, then you are still losing a lot of those vitamins and minerals and nutrients through yeah. that because like you said you're going to the toilet more so you're getting rid of it through yeah that's right yeah the fiber acts as a carrier carries out all those things that your body could be absorbing it's not it's pushing them through your system far too quick so fiber can be really really bad for you if you think about it in them sort of terms yeah obviously it's like anything else it's 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 you know a little bit okay 
too heavy on the fiber, then um, it's going to have consequences, like like you say. Yeah. Um, it's like I, I I cringe sometimes when people in my group they say, "Oh, my doctor told me because I'm constipated, I need to eat more fiber and take psyllium husk tablets." And I'm like, "What? No! I mean, why would you?" I I like I love it, and people say, "Oh my god, don't say that!" But when you throw, you don't want to throw more cars down the tunnel, do you? You like when you've already got congestion in in the in the Blackwall Tunnel or the Channel Tunnel, you're not going to stick more down there, are you? So it's like. No, that's why, right. It should why? be the opposite. It should be the opposite. Just come off the fiber altogether. Exactly. You know, eat more of the, uh, what you call it, like the collagen, you know, that sort yeah. of thing's going to help the digestive system no end, you know, feed the good bacteria. Yeah, get some bone broth. Yeah, get some bone broth down here. A couple of cups of bone broth, that sort of around. That's right. Yeah. So let's, let's move on to training. Okay. I know you said earlier on that you started to do more training as well when you uh, adopted a more keto lifestyle. What sort of training yeah. then did you get into? Was it strength training, endurance training? Where did you go with it? Um, I, again, not me, I didn't get into it. My wife kind of forced me through the door um, of our local CrossFit gym. And so I went to the CrossFit gym, which turned out to not be as crossfit as i thought so i thought it was going to be a bit more crossfit but it turns out to be more strength um and power lifting but you know it still had elements you know it's still crossfit um so i went in there and possibly coincidentally the owner of the gym who's now a very good friend of mine uh, is half english his dad was in the army as well so we got on like that um and we trained together we started to train together and I would go to powerlifting and I would do deadlifts and squats and all those kind of things. But also I was doing the more hit training as well. So it was really like the whole kind of, you know, encapsulated system of, you know, getting fit as well. And once I started doing it, I guess perhaps I might have an addictive personality because I love it. I just, I want to be there all the time. And, you know, during the lockdowns and that, I, I don't enjoy training at home. I want to train with my friends. I want to train with him. Um, yeah, so I do like, um, my my favorite one is deadlifts. I'm, I'm the deadlift, I love it. Um, but I've been getting into log press at the moment and doing a lot of heavy strength. At the moment, I'm just strength training. So I'm just working literally on, on building um, uh, muscle mass at the moment. But I do like more hit training as well. I do go on the bikes, the rowers and things like that. I, I love skipping, skipping is amazing. Um, it, it, so it's like, everything that you see on the CrossFit games or um, like the rogue strongman stuff is, is what we do in the gym. Um, the, you know, the Atlas stone lift, the log press, all of those kind of things. It's, you know, like, well, I like, I like lifting heavy things up for no reason. So it's, <laughs> you know, but yeah, I, I love it. I love training. That's great. I mean, it stands to reason then why you've uh, turned over a little bit towards the carnivore diet because protein will have to feature heavily in your nutrition yeah. to support all that training to support your muscles and there's nothing wrong with absolutely making sure that you get plenty of animal protein as well because we talk yeah. about bioavailability it's the same with protein and you need that animal protein it's full of all the essential amino acids whereas plant protein, is, yeah. whereas plant protein can be lacking um, in that and like we say the bioavailability so it's good that you're getting all that animal protein there but did you notice any kind of difference let's say um you noticed a like a lull in energy or you kind of thought perhaps can't do this. I'm not getting enough energy into me. Was there a point where you, your body kind of had to adapt to this keto style where you wasn't getting the carbohydrates, although perhaps you was already keto adapted. I was, I was already keto before I started CrossFit. Um, but what I found when I went carnivore, because I, I, not this January, but the January before, so last term, 20, yeah, 2020, um, I, done three months carnivore and I found that I lifted and trained harder when I was on carnivore so when I went straight on to carnivore I ended up hitting my max deadlift my max log, um, log press on carnivore that was this year um, my max squats were all carnivore so I was eating more meat and protein and I was eating more calories and I found that I was just becoming stronger and stronger and stronger <laughs> Um, so I didn't get the dip. I got the reverse. I, I just had fire amounts of energy as well. Brilliant. That's great. I mean, like you say, already keto adapted before you did it. So then yeah. you had to build on that. But what I'm trying to, to get out a little bit here and, and trying to get across is that sometimes I get athletes come to me and they say, can I still train? Can I still 
um, push out the numbers I was pushing out? Can I still do things that I was doing in my training plan on a ketogenic diet or a carnivore type of reset diet? And I always tell them to back off the training. I always tell yeah. them to, to come away from the training for, for a short while, while, while the body adapts. I don't know if you've seen anything similar to that or gone through anything since that, especially with endurance athletes. Uh, tell us a little bit, maybe that was what, what's going on with them there. Well, I've not, um, I haven't personally trained any endurance athletes. Most of my clients, my one-on-one clients come to me because they're overweight or obese. Um, but, and, and most of them don't train in the beginning, but I know from, um, from, from friends that have done it as well. And um, when they've been training, <clears throat> they've had to, um, they've had to back off. In fact, I had one, one of my old army, one of my bosses from the army actually came to me and he was a cyclist and he loved cycling. Even though he's a big guy, he still loved cycling. And he said to me, he came back and I was, I was training him and, and he said, um, I've got dips in energy. I'm not feeling very good. And I said, yeah, you need to back off the training back off the cycling a little bit, you know, become completely fat adapted, make sure you're in ketosis. Um, and, you know, then you can, and he was like, but well, can I have my like, glucose gel? And I was like, no, you just, you need to forget that and, and back off. And the, I think a lot with a lot of athletes or a lot of, you know, amateur athletes or, or even professionals, they, um, they get worried they're going to lose the performance. And, there are people at my gym that can, you know, there's, there's one guy, he's a very big guy. He wants to, um, he, he deadlifts the best. He can do pretty much 300 kilos. Um, and I said to him, well, you should try keto, mate. Honestly, you should try it. And he said, but will I lose my strength? And I said, you might at the beginning lose your strength. And he stopped listening to me. <laughs> so he's like, I'm not interested. Thanks very much. I'll stick with my, you know, 500 grams of carbs a day or whatever he eats. Um, but yes, you, you will find nine times out of 10, you will have a dip in energy and you, you will lose that strength. You will lose that endurance. Um, but it's not permanent. You're going to get it back and some as well. And you'll, that's what like the, the one, the cyclist, he said to me, he's gained even more endurance than he did before. And there are so many athletes out there that we don't even know about that are on keto. There's a, um, which I found out recently. There's a basketball, I think it's, um, James, might be James LeBron or something, or LeBron James. LeBron James. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Um, so he's on keto. Yeah. So he's on keto. I don't know if you've diet. heard of Zach Bitter. You heard of Zach Bitter? Yeah. Yeah, 100-mile record holder. Yeah, he's absolutely yeah. as low a carb as you could possibly get. And uh, yeah. he's doing 100 miles in record pace. So, you know, that's the endurance side as well. Um, but yeah, you, yeah. You're, you're exactly right. From from the people I've experienced to work with as well, everybody's different, and everybody. Some people will immediately like so. Let's let's use strength. Some people will lose the strength straight away. You know, in the first couple of weeks, and then it will come back really, really quickly. Whereas some people, yeah. whereas some people, they may have to build it up over a space of a couple of months. But like you say, yeah. in the end, wherever you get to, in the end, you you excel what you was doing before and, and it's the same with endurance athletes as well i work with triathletes and ultramarathon runners and yes you lose your pace straight away your legs feel all wobbly like jelly like you've started off from new you know you've not done any running for a year and you feel like lack of energy simply because you're switching that energy source what we talked about earlier from those carbohydrates that glucose that you always use yeah. over to that ketones and those fats that you can can now do which is yeah i mean it's it's gone like which is which leads to something called metabolic flexibility and with athletes yeah. with athletes i often say the the main aim for anything is to be metabolically flexible uh, it's not to get you over to be carnivore keto forever you know to be on the low carb scale forever it's to, it's to maybe work out how low carb you can be but whilst being metabolically flexible and that's i think that's an important thing to put out there for all the athletes listening it is, yeah. I mean, there's um, there's a guy, Brad Kearns, I don't know if you know him, he lives over in the States. Yeah, I've um, done yeah, I, I done, I done an interview with him as well. I think he's a brilliant guy. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so I was having a chat with him and, and he, you know, he's, he's done the triathlons and he's a speed golf legend and all that kind of stuff. And we had a good chat about, um, you know, like how, how he became into this whole low-carb area, how it came in here. But he's pretty much carnivore now as well. And um, yeah, so he's like, a great athlete in my opinion you know he may not do it professionally but he's been there he's done it in the past and he said he wish he would have known about keto and carnivore back then when he would have done it because he would have had more stamina more pace and things like that um and yeah i mean even if you're not an athlete and if you go um and you drop your carbs you, you're gonna have that adaptation period anyway so i think people it's, it's important 
because a lot of people get put off in the first four weeks where they say, I've got no energy. And I was like, yeah, because your body is confused. It doesn't know what to do with these ketones. It's like, oh, ketones, I don't know what they are. See you later. Um, and, you know, you excrete them. And that's, you know, like with the whole keto testing on the urine strips and they go, yeah, I'm in ketosis, but you're not because you're getting rid of your ketone. And it's, it's a, um, it can be quite confusing, but yeah, it's like, you've got to have that adaptation period. You've got to kind of, go easy on yourself as well. And, and with home life and stress and things like that, it's, you know, you've got to adapt, you know, and overcome and then move on. It's, an, you're evolving. Essentially, you are evolving into a, you know, a more efficient human being. That's right, yeah. And I feel that anybody at the moment who's going through it or anybody who wants to pick it up, listen to us because we've gone through it ourselves. And, and there was times where, yeah, yeah, I nearly threw it in the bin. I must say, yeah, you know, I was going through it, trying to do exercise at the same time perhaps not knowing what I know now at the time, thinking, you know, this is no good. It's never going to happen. But you've got to understand that everybody does it at a different rate. You know, some people will adapt really, really quickly in two weeks. I've worked with people who I've set out a four-week plan for, and within two weeks, I've said, look, there's nothing more I can do for you. That's it. Yeah. Two, week, two weeks and they're done. But then on the other scale, I've worked with people who it's taken months, you know, to, to actually fully adapt and fully get over to metabolic flexibility where they are. And then even yeah. once they've got over to that side, then still manage to work with them to get them their nutrition refined to make sure that they are metabolically flexible using things like fasting as well as a really good tool for your toolbox. And I'll always call it a tool for the toolbox because I don't think anybody should force it upon themselves, but it really is something that you should be able to lean on if you want. And going carnivore or keto, something like fasting tends to just appear out of nowhere. Yeah. I don't know if you found that yourself. Yeah. Do um, you do a 16-8 or an 18-6 or any sort of intermittent fasting now, do you? I, well, because I'm predominantly carnivore, I literally just eat when I'm hungry. Um, it, and, it, and it could be a case of I've eaten once a day or the, I might have days where I've actually eaten four times a day because I've been doing some real heavy training or um, and I just feel like I need it. Or I sometimes, I know it's not the keto or the carnival way, but sometimes I might have four smaller meals broken down in, into it, but it just comes more naturally. Um, my wife, she's like, oh, I said, do you, want, do you want something to eat? And she's like, no, no, I'm fasting. And I'm like, she fasts for like, I don't know, she does 24 hours, no dramas. But me, I tend to struggle on 24 hours. And um, I really have to concentrate. And Or she'll go, oh, look, I've been fasting for five days. I didn't even realize it. And I'm like, <laughs> um, but yeah, fasting, I'm more of like an 18 hours fasting kind of guy, a standard. But it depends, again, if I'm doing a lot of training and I go to the gym, I come back, I'm like, like today, for example, I went and I beasted myself in the gym at 10 o'clock, came back. 12 o'clock and had eight burger patties and but I probably won't eat for the rest of the day now so it's that whole intuitive eating and again it's what you put in your body you're eating meat you're eating eggs and yeah they're satiating um but yeah fasting's got to come naturally don't 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 force it if anyone yeah that's, just watching that's this, brilliant it? it's intuitive eating like like what yeah. you say if you're if you're hungry like like yourself you're training a lot you're pushing your body you're making it go through a lot so sometimes yeah. fasting and strength training, building muscle just don't go together. You know, you need to make sure that you recover. You need to make sure you're on a good nutrition. And if your nutrition is great anyway, then fasting has potentially less benefit to you because you're already yeah. on a brilliant nutrition. I mean, if you go on the longer fast, like your wife, you know, it can do autophagy, stem cell repair. There's all sorts of good things that can come with fasting. But if you are forcing it, then those benefits are negligible anyway. So just yeah. think about think about that and think about how it fits into your lifestyle. I mean, again, I've worked with people who like to do a 28 to 24 to 48 hour fast every week, but then other people like yourself are all just intermittent fast and it'll come naturally. Yeah. And it's just basically what fits in with you, how you feel with it. Some people absolutely hate it. Like you say, some people say, no, I'm far too hungry. I'm eating a perfect uh, nutrition full of fats, full of proteins. So there's no yeah. need. You don't, don't, I just don't want people to feel the need that, this fasting thing has to be done. It doesn't. Yeah. If, if your nutrition spot on, then great, just go with it. And like you say, eat when you're hungry because that's your body's signal. And that's your body telling you, look, we're happy. We want everything to go the way it's going. So just give us a bit more protein to build our bodies. Exactly. Get some protein in you. Not, not just constantly fat all the time. Because right. a lot of people make, make, a lot of people make the mistake when they're on keto. They think it's like 
a huge, huge amounts of fat diet and, and they're like, oh, I'm hungry. I'm going to eat loads of fat, but and I'm going to eat cheese. I'm going to eat cheese. And they eat tons and tons of cheese and then wonder why they're not losing any weight because you can eat loads of cheese. You can eat loads of these keto treats, fat bombs and stuff like that. And they say, well, oh, fat will satiate you, but have you ever tried to eat two to three chicken breasts? You can't because they satiate you and they fill you and they keep filled for longer as well. So, you know, get some protein down you. That's right. I believe protein's more satiating than any sort of fat. Absolutely. Like yeah. say, if you can, if you can prioritize that protein, it's another one of my great things that I say all the time, prioritize the protein. If you're looking at your dinner plate on the table and it's 80% protein, 20% everything else, then you are really prioritizing protein and you're going to be full after that meal. And that's, Absolutely. Uh, that's what keeps you going. So yeah, that's what I teach my clients. Yeah. Brilliant. You touched a little bit there on, um, all sorts of different things that happen within the keto space. There's all these keto products that now you see a lot of keto friendly, this <laughs> keto friendly, that this is keto. And whilst I'm getting people off a processed food diet, I always say to them, check what's on your labels, check what's in your packaging. And potentially you still have to do this with these keto products because a lot of them have nasty little things in there like sweeteners and seed oils. Maybe you can elaborate a little bit onto these things and how they affect us in our yeah. nutrition. So I will point out from a personal standpoint, there's no such thing as clean, dirty, or lazy keto. I think that's a load of rubbish personally. There's ketosis is a metabolic state. You cannot have it clean, dirty, or lazy. You're either eating a ketogenic diet with good food or you're eating a ketogenic diet with processed junk. Um, and that's the bottom line. So when people turn around and say, I'm doing dirty keto, you're not, you're just not caring about what you put in your body, which is your first fail point, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, you, there's so many products on the market that contain so many different things that claim that they're keto because they fit your macros. So companies will come out and they'll say like, like I, I do it. I see it all the time when I'm on Amazon or if I'm scrolling through Instagram or Facebook and there's like a keto bar, and I, it's like a magnet to me. I'm drawn to it. I'm like, I've got to look what's in there because I've got to, you know, like comment. And you look on the back and it will say like soy protein. No, straight away, it's not keto. It's soybean, you know, it's full of lectins. It's going to damage the inside of your gut. Soy is not for a ketogenic diet. And then it's got like sucralose. And I'm like, no, it's not. Or aspartame, no. Gluten, no. Gluten's the big one because, you know, I've got a really, really bad gluten sensitivity. Um, and I've looked into it so, so deep and I've seen what it can do and especially what it can do to children. Um, that, that it's my pet peeve that when people put gluten on, uh, you know, on this packet, I, I, I have to comment and I have to hammer these people down as hard as i can but there's so many different um you know like so many different things that you've got to watch out it is a minefield when it comes to um the, you know the, the the processed industry um i do discourage the use of um a lot of things on keto but if you are in a transition period or you want to enjoy something along those kind of lines of a bar or something like that you have to make sure it's like, quote unquote, this clean bracket. Um, I do work with a company and I check the ingredients on every, on every bar for them so that my clients or my group don't have to do it. So if it's on my approved list, then they know that, and they have to be grown up and adult about it, that you shouldn't just sit there stuffing these things down because that's also not keto way. That's also not a nutritious way. It's not how we're meant to be. Um, but they hide these horrible things in there. And I spend a lot of time helping people out, checking labels um, so that they can have a list of keto chem approved kind of things like, you know, like, because we are, we do live in, the, you know, in 2021, we, we, we perhaps do want to have something, some bar or something in our pocket or purse or something like that, that, that can just, give us some, you know, that it's that dopamine response, isn't it? That, that you're looking for with sweet things. Um, if you are in a transition period, but there's so many, you know, we can sit here all day and we can, I could list off all of the things that you should avoid, but the main things are you have to avoid gluten under all circumstances. 
it is so toxic to humans. It is, it is unbelievable. And I'll never forget, there was a guy in Australia called Commando Steve, and he said, what do they feed cows to get them fat? Grains. So why are we eating it? Okay. So why are we eating grains? And then, of course, you've, you've already said the seed oils as well. You know, these, these are the worst things. They are um, highly processed to temperatures that, you know, that are basically break down the, the, the structure of it. Then it causes them to, you know, be carcinogenic. They are, um, you know, it's the release of all the, the omega-6s. The ratio goes out of balance. Um, they're just toxic sludge. And even if you are, you know, like you go to a fish and chip shop, just for an example, and you think tonight I'm going to treat myself to some chips because, okay, it's a potato, so it can't be that bad. And then it's fried in these oils. It's like you might as well smoke 20 cigarettes because it's exactly the same. It's going to trigger these kind of things. Um, so yeah, like gluten, seed oils, refined sugars as well, because sugar that they use these days isn't even sugar. It's, it doesn't come from sugar cane. It comes from rutabagas or sweet or whatever they're called in the UK. So it's like, it, it comes from this processed. It's not molasses from the sugar cane. It, you know, it's not pure sugar. Um, you know, like all, all these different soy products, all the different names for sugars as well, the chemicals. And oh, I, could, I could go on for ages. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it comes back to the same premise even if you're trying a, a keto diet or even if you're heavy on the keto diet, still avoid those processed foods. It's yeah. about being real food based, you know, yeah. whether it's keto, paleo, carnivore, whatever sort of diet you want to try for a reset lifestyle nutrition that I teach is just real food, nutrient dense nutrition. And none of that comes in a packet. So you don't have to read any packet. Just look at yeah. what it is you're buying, you know, what it should be fruit and vegetables. If you want, if that's part of your, your nutrition and mostly animal based animal produce which shouldn't have anything added to it because the other day i shouldn't did, yeah shouldn't the other day i did put a post up there about some ham in a packet coming with dextrose yeah. and uh, yeah. all sorts of e-numbers in there which you have you have got to be careful of but if you go to your butcher and buy some proper type of ham oh you can ask him if yeah. you want what's in your ham you know how do you produce your ham and he'll tell you so you know it's just these supermarkets that tend to want them to stay on their shelves for longer so they add in seed oils and sugars and all sorts of things that should not be in there. So again, it's about having the real food and that. But I like the way you touch on gluten should not be in there. I would say soy. If anything says soy on it at all, soy is oh, not yeah. made for human consumption. It's a terrible, not. terrible protein. It should not even be. I mean, some products uh, advertise it. Come and get this. It's got soy protein in here. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's not for us. We're oh. human, human beings. Just it does not act very well with our chemical makeup. It's terrible. No, definitely not. I mean, it's way high in estrogen anyway. And so if you're a guy and you want to, you know, get those uh, bigger, then eat tons of soy, eat tons of tofu, because that's it. And that's exactly what happens. It, it disrupts them. You know, your, your hormones within your body it can disrupt female hormones as well, because if females have way too much estrogen as well, it's, it's not healthy. They need to have good balance. Um, and it, it deposits fat. It's got this unique ability to make you fat around what I call the bra strap area, which is, you know, like from nipple all the way around to nipple, you know what I mean? So this whole area here and is what estrogen puts, puts it on as well. And it's also estrogen is really high in alcohol, especially beer, alcohol. So that's why they call them, you know, that's what the, man, the guys get man boobs and they get fat deposits under here because that is where it all gets stored. So it gets stored in the stomach as well, of course, but it's mainly here. And that's why men up with, end up with man boobs because they've got an imbalance of their hormones in their body because they're tanking down beer and all the products with soy, you know, soy's in chocolate as an emulsifier. And, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the worst. Yeah, I mean, I saw a post the other day saying drinking beer is one of the most feminine things you can do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I shared that post. I think that was from yeah, Carnival yeah. Aurelius. Yeah, I was like, yeah, get that shared because I used to, I used to drink so much beer. You know, like even because I'm I'm teetotal now. I don't drink any alcohol um, because I, I was a hand grenade and I had a real drinking problem. Um, and I I I don't care if people drink alcohol. And like, if my friends come over and they want a glass of wine or something, then or or a shot, then that's fine. But I'm like, boys, do not drink beer. Anything you do, just don't drink beer. You know. So it's it's like, yes, yeah, mega toxic. 
I like the way you touched on the sweeteners there as well. And the, the, the process you go through from perhaps changing from a high carbohydrate processed food diet into more of a real food keto diet, then sweeteners can help in the middle there. But yeah. you have got to be careful about what kind of sweeteners, like you say, there's aspartame yeah. and uh, xylitol and all sorts of, of kind of things. There's the better ones, which I presume are on your list that you speak about. There's better sweeteners that interact with your body in, in a better way. Because sometimes, and a lot of times, processed food opts for the cheaper ones, which tend yeah. to be the aspartame and, and the xylitol and things like that, which, and the maltodextrin, things that do still spike your insulin, do still give you a glucose spike because your body's expecting the sugar, doesn't yep. get it but you still get the Absolutely. glucose spike so you have got to be careful with those sort of things so it's still about making smart choices all the way through even when you swap in from a high carb processed food yep. diet to a real carb you can have these things and i spoke i've just recently spoken to ali houston from um, paleo canteen yep. and he's just yeah, no, introduced a chocolate and an ice cream has. Um, which are great are great things for helping people swap off high processed food diets all the way through i mean they're not for you know longevity they're not to introduce into your diet all of the time because the these sort of things i mean i still have things like chocolate and ice cream once a month twice a month you know i often talk about 95 percent of your nutrition being spot on and then you can get away with the the other five yeah. percent whatever you want but these things are really really good to to help you transition so i'm pleased yeah. you spoke about that i mean uh, is the sort of sweeteners that you can list and, and things that you can give people to look out for yeah i mean i there are two sweeteners that I do. Um, I think that they're, they're not too bad if you want to go in that direction. And one of them is um, processed. That's erythritol. But it is better for your body. It is a, it is a zero carb um, because it's a sugar alcohol. But it still can affect some people. You can get it in um, granulated form. You get a powder form. You get it in, in, in drop form. And I still like to have um every i wouldn't say every day i would say like every four or five days i like to have a bulletproof coffee sometimes um with a sweet taste i do it's more of a an enjoyment thing for that dopamine hit rather than anything else um so yeah it's like erythritol is uh, sorry erythritol i'm talking stevia is what i meant stevia is the one that i do which is a plant-based and erythritol is it so you've got erythritol and stevia um Many people also say uh, xylitol is okay, but what I found with xylitol is it still contains carbohydrates, so you can't deduct all those polyols, um, and it is poisonous to dogs. So it doesn't matter if you haven't got a dog, it's just good to know that. Um, and anything else, I don't recommend. So I don't recommend sucralose, aspartame, you know, or anything like that that are claimed, or maltitol, or I think dextrin, might be one that's zero carb yeah. yeah but but then they're supposed to be zero carb but like you said they're still going to affect you um ultimately yeah the, the the good one um that's a lot more popular over in america is monk fruit uh it's yet to yeah. make oh, it over yeah. to, to europe but once that comes over here then all the studies i've seen on, on monk fruit is just it doesn't move your needle at all it is just an absolute flat won't give you a spike or anything so hopefully that'll introduce itself into more of those products and then people can yeah. uh, approach that better. But, but yeah, stevia, like you say, is a sugar, um, space sweetener and erythritol is more of an alcohol based kind of polyol type of sweetener. And uh, sometimes people mix them together. Um, I know there's companies out there like pure sweet and I think swerve on uh, yeah. Amazon that, that do a mix them together because one or the other might be more bitter tasting to somebody um, than the other, but they're both great to use how you want to use them uh so that's been great then kevin I mean, for the look of it you're about to run out of battery <laughs> well i i can change if that's brilliant but, um, let's let's just uh tell people where they can find you and follow along with you then and uh, all your instagram and website and things like that where can people find out more about you if they want to um i've collated everything on one place now so if you just go to ketokev.com and then on the back where it says contact us, if you're looking for a specific group or I've got a, a keto group I've got, which is, like I said, I've got about 15,000 people in there. I've got carnivore group, which has got about three or 400 in at the moment. And then my page, which is Keto Kev, the primal bear on Facebook. Um, it's all listed down there. And then my YouTube, which was quite quiet, but is coming back now. 
because um, I'm building a film studio type thing that's going to be fully functioning and set up all the time for videos. Um, so YouTube's going to be coming back, but they're all listed on the back for where it says contact us on just ketokev.com. You can find absolutely everything on there. Brilliant. So aim everybody there, ketokev.com. That's great. Yeah. So there's one last thing I want to ask you, and I tried to ask everybody this question because I believe it's important for anybody looking to get into it, anybody looking to start who wants to be better tomorrow than they was today. What first step could you say to anybody, whatever their background, whether they're highly processed carbohydrate, whether they're an athlete, whether they're, whether they're just looking to better themselves, just looking to get more nutrient-dense food, what's the best thing they can do tomorrow that they wasn't doing today to live a more optimum nutrition and lifestyle? I would just suggest that, that you do what I call the purge and you purge your house full of all the processed junk and just fill it with nutritious food, whether it be, you know, like 100% meat or 50% meat, 50% veg, if you know, if you don't want to go down that full carnivore keto route and just basically go to the shop and get anything that just has one ingredient, meat, veg, nuts, a little bit of cheese, that's pretty much it. Just get whole foods and that's where you want to start off. Start with a whole foods based diet and then you will then find from there your true direction where you want to go. That's brilliant. Yeah, great advice. That's, that's exactly what try and aim people towards real food. At the end of the day, that's what, again, we evolved with. That's what we've been getting at yeah. the whole time. Whether you go down the keto route, whether you go down the carnivore route, it's got to be real food the whole time, real food nutrition. So thank you very much for that, Kev. It's been great talking no to you. I really enjoyed yep, it. Thank you. So, <laughs> um, I'll see you next time. Bye. Okay, well, that's about as comprehensive as it gets. Whether you're just beginning to look for optimum nutrition or you're already down the road a little bit, Keto Kev spells it all out there for us. The bottom line being the thing that I always reiterate, whether you are keto, whether you're paleo, carnivore, if you have a standard British or American, you're even European diet, whether you're vegan or vegetarian, the bottom line always is prioritize the animal protein in your nutrition and lower the carbohydrates. Remove as many processed foods as possible and search as much as you can to get your nutrition from real whole foods. Now, I'm a little bit sorry to say that that's it. That brings this first series of the Human Nutrition Lifestyle podcast to a little bit of a premature end. I had planned to carry on a little bit further into the summer, but now's the time to stop for this first series and let you catch up on all of the content that we've put out there. Go back and start at episode one. All the content I've put out there is the absolute full works of how to thrive with the correct human nutrition and lifestyle. Now, we're still gonna continue on social medias we're at Human Nutrition Lifestyle on Instagram and there's a Facebook group that you can join up with, Human Nutrition and Lifestyle. Be in touch if you need any help. There's plenty of ways to be in contact with us. There's the email address, humannutritionlifestyleatmail.com or like I say, you can go on any of the social medias, comments or messages, any way you want. Get in contact if you need the help. But I encourage everybody to give better nutrition a try. You have nothing to lose. Aside from that, have an absolutely great summer. Go get lots of sun. Be outdoors as much as possible. Exercise, have fun and enjoy life. Smile lots, be happy and I'll see you next time.